everyone to A Look In. We are three women having a casual chat about what's happening in the world around us and we have a look in to see if it's if Jesus is relevant to it at all. You're joined today by me, Alice Tricks. And me, Anna Beaver. And me, Laura Southam. And today we're going to be spending a bit of time talking about apologising. What makes a good apology and why are there so many apologies seemingly around us at the moment? But before we get into that... Well, I was thinking on the topic of apologies, thinking about what gets us heated up, what stirs the emotions. I have a question for you both, which is, what makes you angrier than maybe it really should? non-important housework category I feel like shouldn't make me feel that angry but it does you know like or just inherently at the task you just hate the task no I think it's like if it's not done the way that I would normally do it that is generally but I'm like I know even as it's happening this is stupid (laughs) you know like but I just can't get past it sometimes like what like I really don't like putting wet dishes onto like dry dishes in the dish rack and so if there's stuff in the dish rack and I've washed up and then there's nowhere to put it because there's still stuff in the dish rack it's like that's no one's fault I just am angry I'm angry about that (laughs) like if I left dry dishes in the dish rack and we were housemates would you be angry at me or is it just just angry that they're there oh but it's not personal no. I reckon you could still be in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe if it was you, Anne. <laughs> now I'm angrier than I should be. <laughs> I think I just thought of one. Oh, yeah. I think, <laughs> which is risky. <laughs> I think buses that run late, oh, yeah. like it makes me angrier than it should because theoretically I know like public transport, not reliable, you know, buses like and not, not, a, not a train, like they're not going to be precision but still like every minute that it says delayed on google maps i'm like what about though a bus that runs early i think that's worse because you've gone with the contract of the timetable and you've said yes i will be there at that time but it's just kind of whizzed on by yeah well i guess if i miss it i'd be a bit but I think way it's the anger boils when you're standing there, whereas when you've missed it, it's kind of fleeting. You're like, ah, that's annoying. It's gone. But when you're waiting there counting, like, where is this buzz? It like something under my skin. <laughs> well, I feel like I can relate to that one a bit. Maybe um, a common theme of like impatience. Um, I really hate and get angry unnecessarily when you're like in a line. And the person in front of you, you're waiting for like, it'll be their turn and then it'll be your turn. And then they get to their turn and they're not prepared for whatever thing is. They're like, oh, I've just got to get it all out of my bag. And I was like, you <laughs> had your chance to do that. You could have been ready for this wow. moment. Yeah. Don't that ask really... for a taster of that ice cream flavor. You should have chosen by now. Uh, yeah. Or just, um, I don't know, people I'm who are like, person. oh, no, wait. <laughs> now I'll start to think about what I need to do. I'm like, you've got to think ahead. But I actually am embarrassed to admit this. I also relate to Alice's thing. I do think I have like just very particular hangups about what I would prefer to happen in keeping the house clean or things like that, which are really small issues, but... Just matter to me for some reason. It's like at this point, it's a hundred percent on me. However, it still does matter. Yeah. I also get angrier than I should when maybe I should be angry at this though. It's like when people say like sweeping stereotypes of like women are insert whatever. Yeah. Like that just makes me be like, not everybody's like that. <laughs> or like 
private school girls are or eastern suburbs people are. <laughs> <laughs> Hitting a bit close to home there. Yeah, I think we found some vulnerability spots <laughs> in those hypothetical examples. Yes. Well, I mean, probably helpful getting ahead in the zone thinking about those provocations. Move on to talk a bit about apologies. Yeah, so we were thinking about what to talk about and it feels like in pop culture at the moment there are so many apologies. So just a few that we kind of thought might be worth digging into and exploring. Beyonce has released her new album. Would you have it if have you guys listened? I actually haven't really listened to anything apart from Break My Soul. Oh, I love Break My Soul. I listened to the first half of the album, but then obviously got distracted. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I also loved it. My daughter and I have been dance partying every night to Beyonce a little bit, which has been great. Very poppy, bit of a 90s kind of fun feel. Um, but in one of her songs, she used the word spaz, which has a history in Australia of being offensive to someone with a disability as an ableist slur, which is interesting because Lizzo was called out for the same thing in one of her songs mm, semi-recently. Ago, yeah. yeah, which feels interesting. Maybe there's some kind of connection there. What did you guys make of that? Well, I definitely have heard some people reflect on that and say perhaps there's a context factor to both of them being primarily directed to American audience, sort of making music in an American context, and that there are things that just are kind of contextually, um, contextually kind of conditioned to have a certain meaning or even like degree of that meaning. And people said, well, maybe actually in America this isn't such a standout It's just not commonly understood to be as offensive as it would be in Australia or even other places like the UK and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. And Beyonce came out and she said the word was not intentionally used in a harmful way and it will be replaced. Um, Similarly, Lizzo published a public apology uh, and took down the lyric as a result and she said, I never want to promote... how do you say that word? Derogatory. <laughs> language. <laughs> I should not be on a podcast. <laughs> but I feel like they're pretty bold apologies yeah. for something that maybe wasn't intentional. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think that is a standout in terms of apologizing and acknowledging what has caused offense to people. And then also like taking a step to repair that and say, I'll actually change something. Yeah. I think from my personal experience that no matter how good your intention is, it's often when I actually have not intentionally hurt someone at all, you know. I've just made a joke that was a bit insensitive or I've been a bit, you know, thoughtless or something. That's when people get the most upset because they're like, you don't even know what you've done. So I feel like no matter how good your intention is, it doesn't negate the need for an apology. The kind of curious thing for me is that Beyonce still went ahead and used that word even after all the fallout with Lizzo, which I presume at least someone would have told her about. Yeah, yeah, she would have been across in some way. So I, we, we don't know her motivations, right? But it's just interesting that that's the way it played out still. Something less um, maybe unintentional uh, was Will Smith's slap, which we talked about, you know, whenever that happened on the podcast. I think we were the only ones. I don't know. No one was really talking about it at the time. Very niche insight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, you feel free to go back and listen to that <laughs> podcast if you're, um, you know, new to the pod. But um, he has come out with an apology, which is interesting because that was a few months ago. Right. Now. Yeah. So something even interesting in that, like he's had time to kind of stew on that, think about that. And he apologized to lots of people in his apology. I've got a little quote. Do you want to hear it? Oh, yeah. Quote away. Really interested in this part of the apology, especially. He said, the work I'm trying to do is I'm deeply remorseful and I'm trying to be remorseful without being ashamed of myself. I'm human and I made a mistake and I'm trying not to think of myself as a piece of... Poo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Why does that stand out to you so much, Anne? I just think there's so many interesting ideas in that, like... He that idea of remorse and shame and what the difference is between remorse and shame. Like we kind of, I think all of us would kind of be like, yeah, shame is not a great place to live in. But still, even in the two apologies of Beyonce and Lizzo, we've kind of been like, no, there's a need for apologies in life. And so that idea of how you be remorseful and not have shame at the same time, I just think that's really fascinating. Yeah, well, I I think, I mean, like you said, it's striking that there's such a big um, time gap, I suppose, between that that night, that moment where Will, Will Smith slapped Chris Rock and him actually issuing this apology. And he owns that and says, oh, I actually needed time to figure out to work you know that sort of whole work on myself idea and it sounds like he's done sort of thorough thinking and is is still doing that um which moves it out of I guess a knee-jerk sort of response and feels like maybe I guess it depends how cynical you are but maybe that adds to the sincerity or the depth or of it and certainly it was a very um like intentional and scripted issued uh apology but still felt like it dealt with a lot of hard things. Like it wouldn't have been easy things to say. And so I don't know. Um, it's a question of like how do you measure like someone's response, remorse? Um, are there kind of cues that you look for, indicators of it? So he's trying to actually be genuinely very sorry but not just have it as like a self-focus on shame. But it is interesting in terms of trying to avoid shame to be like some things are shameful as well and maybe it's hard to avoid shame sometimes but – it needs a productive and forward-moving momentum to it. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does seem like the remorse is for the situation and for how you acted in the situation, mm-hmm. but the shame is more of an identity kind of thing, like I'm so terrible or I am not worthy or whatever those feelings come up. I don't know if this is related, but it kind of reminds me of this um, psych study that I looked at when I was studying many moons ago about children and when you praise children for the task that they've done they're much more resilient they're able to keep going on with the task but when you praise them and you say you're such a good person well done you're amazing they don't want to take risks anymore because they worry that that's going to be taken away from them and it it embeds in who they are so I wonder if there is that kind of line between what you do and who you are like obviously they're so linked together I don't know what you guys think about that whether you can separate a mistake you've made from the person that you are or whether yeah you can't and remorse and shame kind of just are 
interlinked. Well, it really just strikes me like it's hard to imagine what the experience would be like as a celebrity with the fame on the scale of someone like Will Smith to to go, well, people absolutely piled on after he made that significant mistake. Um, I just think, oh, I don't know what I would be like in that situation to resist kind of going, okay, how do I actually deal with the mistake that I made? How do I be sorry for it? How do I try and make amends to apologize, to make repair without sinking into shame and the whole world basically has an opinion on whether you're acceptable anymore or things like that that would be hard yeah and then also trying to work out what's a right consequence of Uh this and what's actually unfair and how do you then respond to that that's very tricky Mm. I think kind of shame and remorse and like do doing the wrong thing like part of his apology that I found really interesting was also that part of like I'm human mm-hmm. I think like we all relate to that experience that as humans as ourselves. humans as like oh no like I made a public mistake people have called me out for it publicly like maybe not to the same extent as Will Smith but like there and like what you were saying, like what's that link between who I am and what I've done? I think when I think interested in what you guys think, but Jesus kind of links those things together when he talks about somewhere in one of the gospels about what comes out, yeah. not what goes like comes from the outside makes you unclean, but what comes out of your mouth is what makes you unclean, like from inside you. Yeah. And maybe a kind of Christian way of thinking is that as humanity, we're not perfect humans. We're actually flawed and we'll make mistakes. And so that kind of perceives who we are as humans. That's not the end of the story. But what do you think about that? I definitely think, um, you know, both encountering Jesus who was perfect as a human and sort of seeing the beauty and the the wholeness and the purity and the godliness of his life um, is confronting in terms of you go like, well, that's actually just not a standard that I meet. But also he addresses that and he, he sort of makes those clear insights and divine kind of assessment of the condition of human life in this age and that, yeah, like there's no one who's an exception to this rule that we struggle with or just what's in our hearts. Um, but also you see he's so compassionate and gracious towards people. And I think that's an interesting thing about these uh, apologies, both, I mean, Will Smith goes, I'm human, that's kind of part of it. And it's that moment where it's like Jesus says, the person without sin can cast the first stone. Um assuming there's no one in that category. So for people listening to Will Smith's apology, you've got to reckon with like, well, any of us can make a mistake and do make mistakes regularly. But also the fact that Beyonce and Lizzo, like their thing just kind of be like, oh yeah, I did make a mistake and I will try and address it. And people be like, okay, like appreciate that. And um, it's when we sort of pretend to not have anything to apologize for that's really intolerable that people, we don't trust each other and yeah, things like that too such a hard layer and lens to look through though I feel like it's much easier to project your mistakes onto someone else and the circumstances and it wasn't really my fault 
and much easier to see other people's mistakes as completely their fault. Mm. So I think that does take uh, almost supernatural power sometimes to be able to admit that you've done something wrong and also to give other people the benefit of the doubt in seeing actually, yeah, they are just humans too. I don't want to hold them to a higher standard than I would ever hold myself to. Well, I think this that sort of connected to me for um, connected in my mind to things about like cancel culture, which has no space for acknowledging, yes, every person actually does make a mistake. And there is the chance someone's not remorseful or repentant about that mistake, which is a problem. And, you know, that's a real issue. But um, the idea that either we've become so cynical about apologies, meaning anything at all, or just refuse to even make space to allow people to make apologies or we get too scared to even sort of go into the space where you have to acknowledge you've done something wrong that requires an apology. I think these are more hopeful examples actually of being real about the mistake or the flaw or the weakness or the sin in our interactions, our behaviours, our relationships, but that, you know, grace in the form of offering and accepting apologies is like really powerful and a source of hope actually my mind went there too actually because I was a bit low-key obsessed with the commonwealth games swimming (laughs) and I don't know if you took your alternate life path Alice yeah I mean could have been (laughs) what could have been I guess um I don't know if you guys were across the Kyle Chalmers, Emma McKeon, Cody Simpson love triangle. I must admit I wasn't really across it, but I was looking on Kyle Chalmers' Instagram and a lot of his posts, he's hashtagged human first or something like that. Oh, oh right. gosh, would fact check that. But just drawing down on that same basis, like I am a human person and I kind of want to be treated with respect and I want you to understand that if you're piling hate on me, that affects me and I'm not made of stone or something, just kind of appealing to that same human basis as Will Smith has. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Um, We also, a few weeks ago, talked about our favourite book um, or book that changed our life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I talked about Harriet Lerner's The Dance of Anger. And prefaced with, don't assume that I have an anger problem, (laughs) but it was a profound book, (laughs) especially because we've talked about angry things this week. You did struggle to think of something, though. Um, She has written another book called Why Won't You Apologize, which is just like such a great title. (laughs) Who's it dedicated to? That's what I want to (laughs) know. Surely someone close in her life that's just like... Um, it's a good gift, actually, isn't it? Dedicated to John, <laughs> who I still don't know why he won't apologise. Yeah. Um, she did a podcast with Bernay Brown, and I think because we've been thinking about these pop culture um, big apologies, I just wanted to hear from you guys and share some of the things that she said as well on what you think makes a good apology. Well, I mean, it really did stand out to me, again, with that example of Beyonce and Lizzo, to, to be able to sort of acknowledge and say we didn't intend for this hurt to be caused. And I think, um, you know, there's always the temptation to say, well, I didn't mean to offend or I didn't mean to cause the damage that is being claimed and that's it, therefore no, no need offense, to apologize. But... Yeah, yeah, no, no offence, <laughs> that's right. But then to say, 
but I actually am hearing you. I'm acknowledging that my action had an impact and we sort of all want our actions to have an impact. We hope that it's good, but sometimes it doesn't go the way we plan. And so I think just sort of really acknowledging, like hearing and responding to what feedback they got, I felt, um, I don't know, part of me is a bit cynical. I'm like, oh, it's all very contrived, blah, blah, blah. But it feels like an act of humility, basically. And I think that that is key when we need to apologise. Yeah. So difficult to do, right? Oh, way easier said than done. Yeah. And also it's easy when you're calm. (laughs) But as soon as you feel worked up or um, Harriet Lerner talked a lot about defensiveness being such a natural response when someone calls you out on something and so difficult to calm yourself down and put that to the side and listen in humility. And I feel like that's got to be based in... um, like what we were talking about before, knowing that you're human. And I think as a Christian person, really understanding the depth of being a forgiven person helps me to forgive other people because I like just understand what a huge cost it took for God to forgive me and to be in relationship with him. And so it puts things into perspective, even when people have really hurt and wronged me to think, okay, no one could have um, done something against me that is more significant than the fracture in my relationship with God. And that is kind of a model that I want to draw on, even though I'm very bad at that. (laughs) Jesus tells that story about um, a king who forgives a servant of like this huge debt. And then that servant goes out and finds a fellow servant and he's like, you owe me five bucks. <laughs> um, and everyone's just bafflement of that story of just like, bafflement's definitely not a word, but run with it. Um, I got the vibe. <laughs> yeah. Confronting. Yeah. yeah. Um, of just like, when you know you've been forgiven a lot, it mean, it helps you then forgive mm. other people. Still hard though. Totally. I think that is another thing that came out of the podcast as well um, that Harriet Lerner was on was um, seeking to understand how you've hurt someone else, Mm. like trying to get an idea of that depth of what's Mm. happened and, um, yeah, kind of listening on the other end (laughs) as a really helpful way of, yeah, coming with a posture of curiosity and openness and valuing the other person and their story even when it hurts you. I think curiosity is such a um, significant part of it because, you know, like when people who you're close to hurt you or you hurt them, you think they're people that actually maybe you share a lot with, like share values, share experiences. There's all this stuff that you feel in sync with. And so like when something goes badly, you sort of think, oh, that's surprising, like that we didn't think the same about that or I thought this was a benign thing but it wasn't or I thought this was funny but it wasn't or whatever it might be take some curiosity to be like, oh, what's your experience of this situation actually like? Rather than saying, well, I just don't think that's a big deal, so you should get over it or I didn't do anything wrong. So, um, yeah, so I think curiosity is a really um, significant posture to adopt and to practice and I think it also like slows down the the pull of defensiveness or something as well. That reminds me of something you taught me, Laura, which was that some there's like three truths going on in any conversation. There's like what you perceive as the truth, what the other person perceives as the truth, and some kind of overlap of what actually 
the objective truth or if that even exists i don't know but um yeah so i think that's right if you're if you come with that framework of like even though this feels a hundred percent true to me there might be no overlap with the other person's experience of what's a hundred percent true to them and that's just the situation we're in um i do think though and I don't know if this is an Australian thing because I met this girl from China this week and she said, oh, my gosh, why does everyone apologise all the time? Really? And she more meant... Had you been apologising to her? No. What did you do? <laughs> she more meant like as you walk through the street, people are like, oh, sorry, oh, sorry, oh, sorry. And she's like, what's with that? And I was kind of, we were trying to figure it out, like why mm. that's the case. And I was like, I wonder if in China, I've never been to China, but I asked her if, if this is the case, if there's so many people that you're moving in a way that you don't have personal space, whereas in Australia, it's assumed when you're walking, you have personal space. So if people come into your personal space, they feel like they have to apologize. Mm. And she was like, oh, yeah. But she's like, I'm not really worried if they're in my personal space. Mm. I was like, yeah, it's like that instinct as like, oh, I'm sorry. But also as women, like I think women over apologize all the time like almost sorry for existing sometimes depends what kind of woman you are because we don't want to you know women are anything unapologetic (laughs) but I yeah what do you think of that I I think that's definitely a stereotype and definitely rings true of a lot of experiences for me that and that's related to other studies on women using cushioning language in just general speech in all sorts of different ways. I feel like it sort of tees up with that. But it does raise the question of what warrants an apology, I suppose, as well, because there are things, you know, we've talked about, look, it's not just what you think is a transgression or something you've done wrong. You actually have to hear how your actions have impacted another person. But some things we have that they're like inconvenient, like bumping into someone or whatever. Um, Oh, I don't know. I still would want to (laughs) apologise. I guess, but there are things we say sorry for that. I think when we say the word sorry, we're not actually thinking of it in the same category. I think that's like a cultural tick a little bit rather than kind of a deeply ingrained um, value. Um, But maybe it does reflect something anyway. But I, I think that's something about maybe it's related to how difficult we can find it to have really profound apologies um about really big stuff in life but we can just toss out a sorry about less significant things or something well I have a few friends who when I say sorry they say I forgive you which I think is quite a profound thing but what often happens to me is I realize I am not sorry (laughs) because I'm like what are you what sorry why are you forgiving me I haven't done anything wrong and then I think oh okay or even like I accept your apology yeah just like then cements it Uh, But I do think there's something about that, like um, having integrity about meaning what you say and acknowledging that if you're going to extend a sorry to someone, that actually is you're giving them something. You're like, that's a cost that you bear. And so, um, yeah, really, that's the right response oftentimes from other people and a mark that they are accepting that apology which is a beautiful thing but it is a bit of a (laughs) so what do you say if someone apologizes to you well I'm so I think it's such a knee-jerk reaction to be like it's fine or um you know yeah that's okay 
But I guess if it's a serious thing, you probably do want to say, like, thank you for saying that. That means a lot. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Anne? Well, Harriet Lerner encouraged saying, like, that's really brave of you to kind of share that perspective or that opinion or that kind of tell me more, I want to understand more. And I like, yeah, thank you. I accept that apology. Mm. I feel like is a good one. Not that I do those things. I feel like defensiveness is my normal kind of thing. Or like, oh, well, you know, I have some things that you could also apologize. <laughs> <laughs> well, While we're in a yeah, mood of sharing and giving and taking. Oh. In which makes me want to move on to <laughs> what makes a bad apology then? Oh, I just feel sad thinking about oh. it. <laughs> I think um, I think when you know defensiveness is just the leading note, I feel like that's really hard to trust because it does take vulnerability from both the person apologizing and the person accepting the apology. I think because if you're dealing with hurt that's just going to feel raw or vulnerable to all people in all different ways. So I think when defensiveness is like a lead note and you're like, is this genuine? Is this person apologizing for what I think they're apologizing for? Um, can I trust that they've really respected like either what I've shown or demonstrated or said has impacted me? What does that look like? I don't know. I'm sorry, but. Yeah, these were some things that Harriet Lerner talked about. She talked any apology with a but, but it means you're giving an excuse. So like, I'm sorry, but, or I'm sorry that you feel this because you can't apologize for how somebody feels, or I'm sorry. And then no behavior change, which I think could have been the case for Beyonce and Lizzo. Oh yeah. Even maybe Will Smith, if he slaps someone next year, then we'll be like, what? (laughs) No more slapping. Or an over-apology, like you're so over the top with the apology that like it doesn't actually warrant that much of an over-an-apology. Or then the other person feels like they need to care for you because you've gone into this like hysterical apology almost. Mm. Um, An apology that demands something, like I'm sorry and now you need to X, Y, and Z. (laughs) Be sorry as well. Yeah, be sorry as well or like hurry up and let's get out of the house. Um, an apology that's for yourself, like I'm apologising because I need to feel better about something or an apology that's used as a bargaining tool, which I feel like now that I've got a kid, I feel like could be a real danger <laughs> area or you apologise before you actually understand, yeah. which I feel like sometimes when someone says, can you say sorry for that? And you're like, yeah, sorry, but you haven't done the yes. curiosity stuff that's what I was thinking when Laura was talking about a bad apology I feel like sometimes you have this residual like but I haven't said all that I wanted to say or like I don't know that you actually understand me yeah that's such a huge then you feel like have you really apologized for the whole thing yeah I mean it's hard to know how much self-justification always creeps into that and you just want to really kind of twist the knife like you've really hurt me like this and this and this Um, But I think that's also something as a Christian being fully known and understood and knowing that God knows us even more than we know ourselves, and he knows all the different values and um, buttons that different things push for us that, um, yeah, no human can ever really truly understand us Mm. like God can. It makes me think of actually, oh, this is like 
a bad flashback, but this that point about um not fully understanding. I had this moment years and years ago now where um, I was swimming with a woman from my church community and she like pulled me aside and sort of said something to me that um, wasn't a full out accusation, but just implied that I'd really hurt her. Um, and I was so freaked out and it caught me so by surprise. I just apologized straight away. I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I just soon after I just realized I was like, I don't actually even understand what happened. Like what she talked about was so surprising to me and confusing and but I just tried to minimize the negative interaction as quickly as possible. And it stopped me from actually asking more questions and hearing what was going on. And, um, you know, I don't feel like a lot of heat about it now, but I just think, oh, I really wish I'd done that differently for both of our sakes, actually. And that that might have been a more profound moment of understanding and like genuinely dealing what she'd experienced. And yeah, yeah. And maybe that's um, an ingredient of a bad slash good apology is actually having the time that you need and being able to ask for space or, um, yeah, ask those clarifying questions or saying, look, (laughs) this moment actually is not good. There's lots of people around and I I can't actually process what's happening, but thank you for sharing. Yeah. I feel like a little bit as a Christian, knowing that I've needed to apologise to God for the breakdown of my relationship between me and him has given me just one little training ground to then try and do apologies more in life. And I feel less like intimidated or worried about having to say sorry that, I don't know, when you know, when you can admit that, that you're not perfect to God and know that he fully loves you and fully accepts you. I feel like there is more room to then be less worried about apologising to others. Yeah. And I feel like the difference there and the beautiful thing there is that you can be certain of forgiveness and you can also be certain that God knows the full picture and still forgives you. That's such a freeing thing. You're never going to get quite that with with people. Um, But I, I agree. I think that's true. It's good training ground in just acknowledging I'm not a perfect person and I have practice in admitting that. I, For me, that um, makes me particularly thankful for something that I do regularly with my church community, which is that when we gather each week and we have a service together, which has lots of different elements, one of those elements is that together we pray a prayer of confession to God. And it's personal in that it's meaningful. It's a real moment. It's not um, that each individual is airing their kind of dirty laundry in public. We sort of, it's a shared prayer together. And I think um, moments like that in Christian communities sometimes are treated with a bit of suspicion or derision of like, oh, it's because it's kind of, you know, not off the cuff or authentic or individualized that maybe it's not very real. And I guess that's a potential danger that you just go through the motions. But I think it's an opportunity, at least, that can be taken up to go, actually, every single one of us here are in, um, it's kind of like a an equal humbling or something before God and therefore before each other to say, we shouldn't be surprised that each of us needs to make apologies for things because that's kind of who we are. That's the people that God calls together. And it's easy to forget that. 
I guess in Christian community, sometimes there's that myth of the happy, shiny people who have it all together and be like, that is just the very opposite of who we know ourselves personally to be, but how we've got to treat each other to say we're called together because we're all um, sinful, flawed, broken, but all so profoundly loved, helped, saved, redeemed. So I feel like that's, yeah, really significant sort of part of the Christian life if we'll take hold of it. I think that's a nice place to end. Thanks so much for listening to us. Um, I hope you've been, yeah, just really thought provoked. Oh, really? I love that everyone's happy to take whatever words come from my mouth. Thought provoked. <laughs> Get those thoughts provoked. That's what we're here for on this podcast. Um, but yeah, we love that you listen to us and um, yeah, hope that you have loved listening to us today and share it with your friends. We love our listeners so much, you good lookers. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.